Um, so if you have a Bible, please open. Uh, we just take the Word of God as it comes to us. We don't shy away from difficult passages. Not that this is terribly difficult. Uh, might be a little boring, but <laughs> we don't shy away. Uh, you can see in chapter 10 that we have a long list of names. And uh, I'll just highlight some things about chapter 10, and we'll look a little bit more closely at chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, and try to draw some application. The hope is, and I've talked with Eric before, yesterday, I guess, and uh, just to close in song again uh, at the end of the sermon. So I will go through the sermon and try to draw some application for ourselves. And then afterwards, uh, I think you'll see, well, you will see that it'll be very, very appropriate to close in singing together in unison. So here we are, Genesis chapter 10. We started Genesis a number of months ago and we've gotten this far. Let me just point out a couple of things about this chapter. Uh, first of all, uh, look at verses 5, 20, and 31. Genesis 10, verse 5. It says, from these, the coastland peoples of the Gentiles, I read New King James, so you may not see it exactly there. We're separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. Okay? Verse 20, you see that repeated. These were the sons of Ham according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands and in their nations. And then again, verse 31. These were the sons of Shem according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, according to their nations. You also notice that uh, the beginning and the end of this chapter is bracketed by the words, after the flood. Look at verse 1. The sons were born to them, that is, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's sons. Sons were born to them after the flood. And then at the very end, verse 32 uh, these were the families of the sons of Noah, uh, Noah, according to their generations, in their nations. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. So I hope to make a point on that a little bit later. I just wanted to point that out, that Moses wrote Genesis. Obviously, Moses came on the scene uh, hundreds of years after the facts. So he inherited, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, some written documents that no doubt Adam and Noah had, had written. Uh, probably Shem, uh, one of his three sons, is probably the one who wrote chapter 10. And Noah in, or Moses inherited this and, and compiled Genesis for us. Um, just out of interest, uh, there are 70 names here. Uh, so of these three boys, men, came 70 different people. Uh, the people became associated with the places. So I'll highlight as we go through, I won't go through verse by verse, but I'll just highlight a few things, and you'll see that there's kind of two things going on here. There's, um, there's genealogy, but there's also geography, <laughs> all right? There's people and places. In other words, the places sometimes get identified with the name of the people who started that people group. And some of those names will be familiar to you when, when we look at those. Uh, 70 is a factor of seven. Uh, for those of you who are not skilled in math, <laughs> right? <laughs> My brother from Binghamton. <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> That's actually a big deal, and I'm making that point on purpose. Seventy is a factor of seven, and seven, biblically, is a reference to completion and perfection and rest and glory. It's God's number, right? It's associated with God, and we learn that in the creation account in Genesis chapter 2, 
It said God finished his work on the sixth day and he rested on the seventh day. So all of the created world in the universe was completed in six days and then the seventh day, it was over. And God rested and he blessed the seventh day. God blessed animals and people in the seventh day in Genesis. Seven is a number associated with God. Interestingly enough, by the way, that the number seven appears more times in the book of Revelation than in all of the New Testament combined by far. In fact, the number seven appears in Revelation uh, by my count, 60 time, or in 65 verses in all of the New Testament. 31 of those are in Revelation. 54 times the number seven is used in Revelation. Just think about it. You have seven churches, right? It's God's number. There's seven churches, seven candlesticks, seven angels, seven stars in his right hand, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, and on and on it goes. Right? Revelation. Revelation is the consummation of all things. So seven is appropriately used in Revelation. Right? By the way, Jesus received on his body seven wounds. Once on his head, once on his back, each hand, two feet, and his side. That's seven. He made seven statements from the cross. His sixth statement profoundly said, it is finished. And then he rested on the seventh day into your hands. I commend my spirit. God. The number 70, now expanding on that thought a little further, the number 70 became associated with God's chosen people, the Jews, the Hebrews. The number 70 became associated with the Hebrews, the Jewish people, the people group. We learn in Exodus, or sorry, Genesis, Exodus, that 70 migrated into Egypt. 70 went into Egypt, more than a million came out. A nation was born out of Egypt. 70 elders ruled the people when they came out of Egypt. They went to Babylon in captivity for 70 years. 70 members of the Sanhedrin, when you come to the New Testament, the Sadducees, Pharisees, they made up the Jewish Supreme Court called the Sanhedrin. There were 70 of those men. The angel prophesied to Daniel famously, 70 weeks are determined on your people. Daniel, a Jewish man. 70 weeks, 70 periods of seven years each, called a week. Jerusalem was destroyed in what year? Anybody? AD 70, thank you. 70 Jewish men translated the Old Testament, Hebrew, into Greek. 70 Jewish men, it's called the Septuagint, indicating there was 70 men making Hebrew to Greek. Most interesting, there's 70 nations represented here. Interesting. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out 70 to go and preach the gospel. Yeah. Because he loves people. And he wants them to know him. And oh Lord, may that be evident today as it already has been. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, you'll notice that uh, Japheth is first. Shem records his own genealogy last. And then he repeats it in chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 10. This is the genealogy of Shem. The reason for that is that from Shem came a guy named Abram or Abraham. And uh, we'll look at that in just a few minutes. So let me just touch on a few things. Uh, verse 1. Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
and sons were born to them after the flood. Obviously, daughters were born to them as well. Ladies, don't be offended, <laughs> please, right? God loves all people, okay? But um, he is uh, identifying the sons here. Verse 2, the sons of Japheth, okay? So we start with, of the three boys, we start with Japheth. It says, the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Teras. All right, so there's seven boys here. Uh, I don't know if that is significant, the number seven here in this family, but they had seven. And um, yeah, so there they are. Names, right, associated, just for your information. I did a lot of reading on this, and I've retained some of it. So I'll spew back to you some of the things that I've learned. but Because uh, your mind is instantly going, wow. Uh, where is this, all these places by these weird names, right? Gomer, not to be confused with Hosea's wife. <laughs> um, remember that story? Hosea married a woman named Gomer, right? Kind of an odd name for a woman, but uh, Gomer, uh, they suggest, uh, most understand it, was up near the Black Sea area. Uh, Magog also up there, Madai, a little bit south and east, became the, the, the Medo-Persian, the, the Medes, uh, came out of Madai. Javan, associated with uh, the Greek islands, right? Tubal, Meshach, again, way up north, Turkey, uh, Armenia, up between the Black Sea and the Caspian. I probably should have had a map up here, I'm sorry. Um, so these were the sons of Japheth. Wow. So Japheth, he and his wife, became parents. <laughs> and they had seven kids plus their daughters, right? And um, verse 4, it says the sons of Javan, which was uh, their fourth son, uh, he had kids. So it seems appropriate on this first Sunday back uh, for many of you uh, and for some of you freshmen that, is it just me? But like, holy cow, he's a parent and now in a blink of an eye, the kids are gone and now he's a grandparent. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it happens that fast, okay? And I just wanna say to you, uh, my dear freshman friends and others, that it's quite possible that you've got a parent or parents who are home right now, maybe standing in your empty bedroom, and their heart and their head is spinning. They're like, where did the time go? They're gone. And, uh, you know, that's a moment that you go through as a parent. It can be pretty challenging. Did your parents make mistakes? Oh, of course. Do you think they don't know that? They do. And that can make it a little bit harder. Now in your absence is all those somewhat regrets or failures may be going through their minds. And so I say to you, by the grace of God, pick up the phone and call. Don't text or email, but call FaceTime. Tell your parents you love them. Tell them thank you for the sacrifice that they've made for you to get you here to this place. And you don't have to wait till you're a freshman. You don't have to wait till you leave home either. <laughs> Some of you are still home. It's good to just say thank you to mom and dad for all the hard work and the sacrifice that they've made to drive you all the way here from Miami, Esperanza. <laughs> Noah made mistakes. We saw that last week. So it goes a long way. And by the way, don't tell them I told you to do this. <laughs> Tell them that the Bible 
the just thought of the scriptures spoke to your heart. And God has revealed that, hey, this is a good thing to do. Because it's just in, in, a, in a, between verse 2 and 3, well, verse 3, between verse 2 and 3, I sorry, I went over to verse 4, but the sons of Gomer, that's, that's his, their grandparents, right? So it happens so quickly. So just as the scriptures are revealed to us, it's just an exhortation to you. So there you go. Uh, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Elisha, I don't know how you say that exactly, Tarshish. That ring a bell to anybody, by the way? What is it, Jabez? Yeah, right? No, he Tarsus. Somebody got on a boat to go to Jonah. He wanted to go west, and God said, go east. He did not want to do what God wanted him to do. So he thought, I'll go to Tarsus. And yes, Jabez, many think that it is in that Western European region of the world. Um, so verse 5, these are the coastland peoples, the Gentiles, uh, or of the nations, peoples who separated into the lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, and into their nations. So let me pause another moment and just point out something that bothered me a lot uh, for a long time. And that is, it says here in Genesis chapter 10 that everybody... Uh, separated according to their language, indicating that there was different language. And that bothered me because I would come to the next chapter and it says the whole earth had one language and one speech or one vocabulary. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And it, it, it was, I didn't like that. It made me very uncomfortable. So I finally have learned... And I will share with you that this indicates that the, the scriptures, although 10 precedes 11, technically 11 should precede 10, but the Bible always, isn't always written in chronological order. And so when you're studying the book of Revelation especially, you will see that. So don't, don't always get confused. In fact, we saw in the Genesis account, God said, let us make man in our image. And he made them male and female. And then he takes back, he steps back in chapter 2, and he kind of goes over the whole scene again, but he tells us that actually Adam was formed first and then the woman. And so we get a greater inside scoop there. So, um, so in other words, what we're reading here actually followed what happened at the Tower of Babel. Okay? So don't be confused by that. It's easy to be confused by that. So verse 6, the sons of Ham... All right, uh, were Cush, Mizraim, Phut, and Canaan. All right, uh, those first three names identify, they're identified with uh, northeastern Africa. So we're now into the African continent, Egypt, Ethiopia, Sudan, Libya, right? These nations are now uh, where Ham's sons migrated. Canaan, we know, is uh, Israel. It became known as Canaan land, right? The sons of Cush were Seba, Havala, Sabta, Rahama, Sabtaka. And the sons of Rahama were Sheba and Dedan. Sheba and Dedan ring a bell. Maybe not so much. Okay. I, I won't spend a lot of time on this. You're already glazing over. <laughs> Val just spent the summer in Sheba and Dedan. Is it okay to say that? Maybe not. All right. All right. She was on the Arabian Peninsula. Well, that's where it is. Okay. So, yeah. So that's where they went. Um, now, I do want to spend a moment here. Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Right? Um, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. All right? So again, this is written actually after the Tower of Babel, but Nimrod was the one who uh, was the leader of this kingdom called, that was centered in a city called Babel. Okay? 
By the way, uh, this is the first time the word kingdom is used in the Bible, and it's related to a man who is very prosperous, very powerful, and very uh, uh, popular, right? It was, everybody would say, whoa, you're like Nimrod, right? He was a very, he was a mighty hunter. There's some debate whether he was actually a, a man who chased after animals, right? God had changed the diet of humans post flood and said, you've enjoyed a vegetarian diet. Now that the flood is over, you are free to eat meat. And so they began to smoke and barbecue and enjoy all kinds of great meat. So Nimrod probably did that. And he was very successful. I had a whole bunch of, you know, stuff on his walls uh, showing off his, his prowess. But um, I think there's actually more than some, something more than that is going on here with this guy, Nimrod. Uh, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Uh, and it was in the land of Shinar, the end of verse 10. The Shinar ring a bell. Come on, people. Shinar. Daniel was taken captive into the land of Shinar, affectionately known as Babylon. Shinar, Babel, Babylon. It's in that Euphrates, it's in the birthplace of civil, it's over in Iraq and Iran, okay? Babylon, Shinar. We know that for a fact because of Daniel saying, we went to the land of Shinar. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took us captive to Shinar, where his kingdom was, the Babylonian kingdom, all right? So, um, yeah, well, says from that land, Nimrod went to Assyria and built Nineveh. Well, there's a name we all are familiar with. Uh, he also built Rehoboth. That's a beach in Delaware. <laughs> and a place called Rezin between Nineveh and Kela. Um, let's go over verse 15. It says, Canaan begot Sidon, his firstborn. Um, Sidon, we now know, is Lebanon, okay? Sidon, Tyre, major cities in Lebanon. Uh, the Jebusite, the Amorite, the Girgashite, the Hivite, the Archite, the Sinite. Sounds like we need a pest control. <laughs> All these ites, right? Um, afterward, the families of the Canaanites were dispersed, and the border of the Canaanites um, was from Sidon, as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza. Gaza's in the news even to this day. It's on the southwestern coast of Israel on the Mediterranean. Uh, so that identifies Canaan in that, you know, that part of the world. These were the sons of Ham according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, and in their nations. Okay? Uh, let me just take one step back up at verse 14. I wanted to point out something to you. Uh, verse 14, these are the sons of Mizraim, Ham's great-grandchildren, and so. But it says in parenthesis, uh, from whom came the Philistines. Okay? I just want to make a point, all right, to bring some clarity do not associate the Philistines with the modern-day Palestinians. They are not the same. Okay? Philistines were a people group. Palestinians is a place. And they happened to be people who lived in that place. Okay? Called Palestine. All right? So don't, don't mix that up. It's a common mistake, but... Uh, all right, verse 21. Children were also born to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber. All right? Uh, <clears throat> Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder. Uh, we think that uh, etymologists uh, believe that Eber is the root for the word Hebrew. Okay? Uh, it's Genesis 14 that Abraham is called, for the very first time in all the Bible, a Hebrew. And he was descended from Eber. Okay? So there's, there's a hope for the nations, which would be today, the title of today's message, by the way. Um, the children were born also to Shem, uh, who, you know, the godly line is going to come through Shem. 
okay? So the sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Aphaxad, or Arpaxad, Lud, and Aram. Uh, this is, again, this is over in the Persian area. The sons of Aram were Uz, or Uz, I think is the correct pronunciation. Here's a long shot. Is anybody familiar with the land of Uz? Very good. Somebody gets a gold free donut on that one. Yeah. Job chapter 1, he lived in the land of, not Oz, <laughs> but Uz, all right? Yeah. Uh, and so then came uh, verse 24. Along comes Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg. I, I, I'm always so tempted to say Pegleg, but that's probably not a good thing. Shouldn't have said that. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. So that tells us that what happened in Babel happened in that time period. So Peleg, Nimrod, might have been contemporary, right? Nimrod was the leader of Babel. He was the, he was the, the very popular and very powerful and very successful man. He was a mighty hunter. It would seem that he enjoyed the chase and he enjoyed conquering. He seemed to be just almost undefeated in his abilities. Um, and then he obviously, that spilled over. So if he truly was a, a, a great hunter of animals, it would seem that he started his own kingdom called Babel, and, and he took all of that, those characteristics, and it spilled over and overflowed into his ability to lead people and to attract people and to get people to follow him. Uh, so... Um, just saying that for the moment. Uh, Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided and his brother's name was Joktan. Now, continental drift might come to your mind. What's that mean? Earth was divided. That the continents were all mashed together and then they drifted apart. Uh, seems in the greater context that because of chapter 11 that it's referring actually to the division that God caused when he gave everybody different languages and they all parted company and the city building project stopped. So that uh, seems to be the, the meaning here. Um, his brother's name was Joktan and he had a lot of kids. Um, their dwelling place was from Mesha as you go towards Safar, the mountain of the east. These were the sons of Shem, according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, according to their nations. All right, so there's that third time, that repetition. It's telling us that the, the people became identified with the places in which they lived. All right, but they all had their own language. And by the way, if you know the story of Babel, I'll just tell you uh, uh, the spoiler, I guess. To me, it just shows amazing grace on God's part when he judged the people who are all one language and one vocabulary, but it would seem that he gave people different languages, but he didn't break families apart because he loves family. And so the family line of Shem and Japheth and Ham, it says they all went to their, to their families according to their languages. And so there just seems to be a great grace. I'm sure there was more than just three languages, but uh, he would, God loves family. And uh, in fact, his renewed command to Noah after the flood, after Noah comes out of the flood, he said the same thing to Noah that he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and fill the earth. So go and, and go and, and enjoy what I have given you again and, and have families. Uh, don't be afraid to get married and have kids. I know it may sound funny to you. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. But, uh, you know, it's a hard world. People may think hard about that. I don't know if we can. You can. You can. I raised four kids and a $28,000 mortgage. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't very much money for our house. But I had a 15.5% interest rate in the mid 70s. Yeah worked multiple jobs, we received government assistance, we had a lot of 
cereal and cheese and foods that were provided through the WIC program, women, infant, and children, right? And then we just tried to pay the bills and keep the car running and get to church. You can do it. Because it's the heart and it's the home. It's what's going on inside those walls that is most important. It's not what you're wearing or what device you have. It's the love that's shared and it's the guidance that's coming from mom and dad. And the conversations around the dinner table. The one thing we always tried to do was to structure our lives so that we could eat together. Got in trouble with my church pastor, to be honest with you, because he, I was an elder. He goes, I want you here on Sunday night. We had a Sunday night service. I said, I need to be home with my kids. He was cool. Pastor Jeff, he's like, I, I understand. That's okay. I'll cover for you. For all the other fathers, the elders who are, com- who are coming. Right? Don't be a Mary, afraid to marry and have children. It's the most glorious experience you'll ever have in your life next to being saved and knowing the Lord. Lord loves family. The church is a family. That's how much he loves family. He calls us back to him. We're his sons and daughters. We're born of God so that we can know him and relate to him. God is our father. Is God your father? I mean, you can make a point from Genesis 10 that we see the the shared humanity of all these different people groups. Yes, absolutely. And we all share in, 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 we're all made in his image. We're image bearers. You see that. But to know him, that's eternal life know God and his son Jesus that's eternal life what more is there when you know that you have eternal life So I'll just read verses 11, chapter 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and one, one speech in my King James. Literally, literally one lip. <laughs> uh, your translation might say vocabulary or one word. The whole earth. It was universal. Prior to the Lord judging what happened here at Babel, There was, everybody lived universally, unanimously, (laughs) everybody, right? Maybe that's the same thing. And there was a unity, amen? And they were in unison. You with me? They all said the same thing. And they all understood each other. There was, there was, that's what was happening here. This is after the flood. This is after the wrath of God fell on the earth. These are Noah's children. Lived on the boat for a year. Helped their dad build the thing. Saw the rains come down and the waters blow up. Floated around. Landed. In Armenia, mountains of Ararat, 17,000 foot elevation, cold. <laughs> Came down off of that, migrated east. That's what it tells us. It says, as it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, or literally toward the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, which became Babylon. And they dwelt there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. That's because they didn't have rock in that part of the world. These were very intelligent people. They learned how to get some of the composite materials out of the earth and to build forms and to shape these bricks. 
and then put them into a, a kiln and cook them until they were good and hard and tempered. And then we'll bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt or bitumen or tar or pitch for mortar. That's a black, gooey, icky, sticky stuff. It's what they make the roads out of. Okay, asphalt. So there was there. They were able to extract that out of the earth and then use it for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose or purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us. Interesting. That's God talking to himself. Let us. Not let us. <laughs> right? Let us. One of the clearest indications that God is a more than one. <laughs> Right? And Jesus made that abundantly clear when he came on the scene. So this is one of those great verses. Come, let us go down. And there, confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth. And they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel. Or uh, sometimes it can be translated confusion or Babylon. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the people, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. All right? Um, so is it just me? <laughs> but <clears throat> I wrestled with this a lot. Um, because I'm like, wow, what's wrong with what they did? Doesn't seem like there's anything wrong. They're building a city with a big skyscraper. <laughs> That's not uncommon, right? What's wrong with that? And, and if God hadn't come down and spoken into the situation, we wouldn't think anything was wrong with it. But God, his assessment of the situation, it says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Obviously, God knew what was going on. That's why he came down. Uh, it, it could be that, that it's indicating that what they thought was such a great thing, it was becoming a kingdom. Remember, they're being led by a man named Nimrod, who's just, he's the goat, right? The greatest of all time. <laughs> Thank you, Josiah. <laughs> Josiah, good to have you back, brother. <laughs> right? Not Tom Brady, not LeBron, right? Nimrod. I mean, he, his, his prowess in his success and his ability to just get what he wanted and to be very good at it, that spilled over into his controlling and gathering people together. And he got everybody with the advantage of using the language that they all shared. There was just unanimous. And, and Nimrod was their leader. And he said, let's build a kingdom. And so nothing seems wrong with this on the outside. But the Lord's assessment, when he came down to see it, and again, I just go back to that, it, it seems like the Lord's, the, the language there is indicating that, that God's like, that's not such a big deal. <laughs> you think it's all the greatest, right? Nimrod's a mighty hunter. Well, I'm almighty, okay? He's mighty, I get that. And this, this kingdom, this kingdom, it's government. There's, a, there's, a, there's politics going on here. And God had told them to go scatter abroad among the earth. And they're like, no, we want to settle here. We're not going to obey God. We're not going to obey God. We're going to stay right here in Shinar, and we're going to build our own little kingdom, and everybody's going to come to us. Because we're prosperous, and we got this man who's leading us. I'm not going to shy away from telling you that what's happening here is going to happen again. Because Babylon is used in Revelation, the end of the Bible, six times. Babylon, the mother of harlots. 
Mystery Babylon, Revelation 17. Well, here's the mother. She's drawing people. Nimrod, this city, is a system as well. And it's drawing people not to God's glory. They said it themselves. Let's come, let us build ourselves a city. You see, they've adopted the culture of their leader. He was the goat. We want to be goats with you. <laughs> We're just going to be this amazing place. Right? That's what's wrong here. And that's what tricked me. And that's what tricks all of us. This is Babylon in every one of us. And it's called pride. Every one of us has got this, this desire to be great. I had this wild imagination as a little boy. I grew up in such a, a loving, caring, safe home with my mom and dad on the dairy farm. But before I was conscripted into work by my dad, right, to do chores, man, I had this wild imagination. I had my three friends. Right, I'm sharing personal stuff here, okay? Keep it here. Their names were Bink, Buck, and Steve. <laughs> I have no idea where Bink came from. But they were my servants. And we would go through, it didn't matter what we were doing. If I was picking up a stick and hitting stones off the, 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 the hill going into the barn, and I was trying to get them over the pond, it did, I was playing baseball. And it, it was bottom of the ninth, seventh game of the World Series. We're down by three, bases loaded, two outs, and guess who's up? <laughs> and guess who's on base? Bink, Buck, and Steve. Right? And I'd hit, and I'd hit, until I hit the home run. I wanted to be the greatest. It's in all of us. Didn't James and John got their mom and they came to Jesus and they said, we want to be, we want to be next to you. We want to sit on your right and on your left. He's like, you don't understand what you're talking about here. That's the thing about this. It's, it seems like a good thing. They're being industrious and creative. God made them that way. But it had turned. My brothers and sisters, this happened after the flood. After all of humanity was, unbelieving humanity was judged by God. The, the, the default of men is to have a short memory and to not fear God and to become great in our own eyes. And it's happened here. And it's going to happen again. Babylon is going to get revived in the last days. There will be a city. There will be a system. And that system is made up of government, religion, and economics. And everybody's got to go to the system. And you've got you to log in and you've got to sign up and you've got to be part of it. What's wrong with us? why we need Jesus. Tell him about the Lord. The Lord came down to see the city and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. They all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Brother, what we have going on here is the Garden of Eden all over again. You'll be like gods. Partake of what God said not to partake of. Do what God said don't do. And I promise you, said the devil, you're, you're, you're going to be so... You're going to be so elevated and happy. You're going to know things you've never known before. That's what's happening here. That's what's wrong here. 
Lord confused their language that they couldn't understand one another's speech. And the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth. You know what, brothers and sisters? When you stop communicating, things fall apart. That's true in your marriage. It's true in your friendships. It's true in your relationship with God. When I stop communicating, things fall apart. The communication, the process in which people could relate to each other through this one language all broke down. And it's, let your imagination, good healthy imagination go on that one for a minute. What that must have looked like and sounded like. And eventually I just had a frustration, like we give up. And then you drive by Babylon or Babel and you see this unfinished tower or this unfinished city, right? For years, there was a, a home property up near the airport here in Ithaca, and it sat unfinished for years. Or there was this hotel over near Horsehead. Sergio, you know the one, right? It sat there unfinished for years. Clearly, you drive by, and it's like the stuff is flapping in the wind, and the, you know, it's like something's wrong. <laughs> Something broke down in the system here, right? When we lose, what's the old saying? Seven days without prayer? It makes you weak. <laughs> makes one weak. <laughs> when we stop communicating with God, how do you abide in the vine? You pray. Which means you talk. Pour out your heart, brothers and sisters. Pour out your heart to God and listen. Learn to develop a listening heart. I didn't say listening ears. I said heart. Because we hear God in our heart. His Holy Spirit is in us and he's searching your insides, your motives, your intentions. How do I listen? Do I hear the voice of the Lord? Yes. Right out of this book. God spoke to us, Hebrews says, in many different times and in many different ways. Through the prophets. In these last days, he's spoken unto us in his son. So I so appreciate the worship this morning. Just focused on the Lord. He speaks, he continually speaks to the seven churches. Jesus said seven different times to every people group, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. When your communication with God breaks down, then the building project that he has in your life starts, it gets halted. <laughs> We're all being conformed into his image, right? So pray, talk, listen, and then do what he tells you to do, right? The only time the apostle Judas, not Iscariot, the other one, said, we, the only words we have recorded from him are in John chapter 14. I don't remember exactly what he said. Or I think he said, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not everybody else? And the Lord said, well, the ones who love me do what I say. And the ones who don't love me don't do what I say. That's how I manifested, through your obedience. Pray, talk, listen. The most effective way to hear the Lord is to pour out your heart with an expectancy that my God loves me and he wants to communicate to me. And as I'm reading his word, he's feeding and nourishing my heart and soul and mind. And he's giving me direction. And I respond to that. Not always faithfully, of course. But we learn from our mistakes. You know, there's another lesson from this whole thing. God knows how to humble people. <laughs> they're building this monument to themselves so they can be great. And sometimes the best thing he can do is take stuff away from you. And it hurts, and I don't like it, and I whine like a baby. My poor wife has to listen to it all. It's the best thing. The Lord did that in creation. He divided stuff. And better things came out of it. He separated the waters from above and the waters below. And now we've got oceans and rivers and ponds and lakes. Sometimes division is the best form of multiplication. 
Don't be afraid of it. So, I'm way off script here, so I don't... What do we do? Well, <laughs> I told you we we're going to end up singing in unison and in unity and unanimously. And that's because everything that happened here, God took another step. And at the day of Pentecost, he spoke to the nations about his dead and resurrected son. Go to Acts chapter 2, and I'll breeze through this with you because I know it's a little past time. Acts chapter 2. This is so beautiful, right? So God confused the language of men, which was all he needed to because they were all focused on themselves. They were very religious. They built a tower, blah, blah, blah. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all filled or they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, then there appeared to them uh, cloven tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit is God. So basically what's just happened? Let us come down and give men languages supernaturally so that I can communicate to them that you're forgiven. Look at verse 5. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Praise the Lord. And it, and it says, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. <laughs> the babble. But God straightens because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? That means, in other words, they're uneducated. They don't speak multiple languages, right? Untrained. And yet, this is what's happening. They're hearing. And then it goes through the list. Verse 9, Parthians, Mede, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. How different from what happened in Babel. It's, a, it's the opposite. It's God reversing the order to share the gospel with people. And people heard. Peter stood up and he explained what just happened. He preached, and you know what? Hearts were pricked. That's where we're at. We're in the, we're in the age of pricked hearts, <laughs> right? Where people hear the gospel that Jesus died to forgive their sin. They believe they become a new creation, and God builds his church. Not man. I will build my church one soul at a time. How very, very beautiful and different. So I just thought I'd show you that. Now to close, Eric, come on up, please, if you would. Is Ann joining or no? Yes. Okay. I'm trusting he's hearing this. So. All right, so here we go. We come to Revelation chapter 7. Go to the end of the Bible. Revelation 7. Real quick, <laughs> here's what we're going to do. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, brothers and sisters, there's, there's, a, there's the unity of the Spirit, there's a, a beautiful unity, and they're all in unison, and it was unanimous. 
So what I'd like to do is have everybody stand. We're going to sing, sing Agnes Day together. And we're just going to live that right out. So we'll sing that together. Now I'll just say this. If your first language is not English, if you can make the translation from the lyrics, go ahead and sing it. It'd be awesome to not confuse you. It's all unity. It's unanimous. Every tribe, tongue, and language. Amen. You know. 
love to meet you. Uh, again, Pastor Andy here. We'd love to meet you. Uh, introduce yourself if you haven't already. We're here for you uh, to serve you any way we can. God bless you. See you next week. <laughs>